Who is it that I aspire to be? That is the question that we should be asking ourselves all the time. What kind of person am I? Hey, welcome to Lemons, a podcast about moments that have changed your life for the better or the worst. My name is Jasmine Duenas, and I'm your host. In today's episode, we talk to a good friend of mine who moved from Spain to the U.S. when he was younger and how each culture influenced him to be the man that he is today. Now, I found myself relating especially to this episode, so hopefully you guys can find some stuff that you relate to as well, and it's genuinely fun. So, without further ado, let's get into it. What was kind of like your first memory living in Spain? I mean, I think the first memory I can really recall is there was this square in Spain that we used to go to all the time and playing on, it was kind of a statue. And I remember just kind of climbing up that all the time. Did you like have a group of friends that you would do this with or were you just kind of by yourself most of the time? I was mostly by myself most of the time. I did have a small group of friends, but most of the time it was just my mom and I. So were you? would you say that you were like kind of like a troublemaker when you were a kid or were you really good and you behaved all the time? And I was a horrible child apparently i always thought i was like this really i don't know like this really sweet kid but apparently i used to play this horrible prank on my grandmother who would come and like watch me while my mom was like busy or something and i would always like hide from my grandmother and there's this one instance where she like was looking for me and the window was open and she had like a heart attack not a real heart attack, but, you know, she had a heart attack thinking <laughs> that I had fallen out or climbed out. And she she found me curled up with a cat sleeping, like, in the hamper. Oh. Um, and, you know, obviously I got in trouble, but I guess it, it's I guess it's kind of cute. Yeah. That but, is, no, you were sleeping was, in a hamper? Yeah. It's so weird. Oh, yeah. yeah I, it's, it's weird. I don't even. Uh, yeah, I don't even remember doing it or what my thought process was but i was like yeah really oh, I, this like, is my spot <laughs> yeah well like i can i can remember that i for so whatever reason i really liked tight spaces when i was younger for like sleeping oh. and then i was mm-hmm. always climbing yeah no i can't even i was like that too though when i was yeah. younger my house we used to have like our couch on a like you know in a room how there's like corners like we would have yeah. the back of the couch in the corner and there's like a triangle and i used to sleep okay. in that triangle too like i used to like sleep back there i i think that happens with a lot of kids is that they kind of like to be curled up and they're always extremely active and i think as they grow up and people tell them oh settle down you know be quiet pay attention it kind of dies away that's true i don't know i was also a badass kid when i was younger so i get it i used to a lot of the time when i was in like a small space it was because i was trying to like hide from something or someone because it's like oh i fucked up you know, like, oh, no. but I was a little hoodlum. Right. I was a hoodlum. What did yeah. I say? I was a little gangbanger. I mean, you're a troublemaker now, so I can imagine. That is not true. That's no, not you're, true. No, you're, you're great. No, don't change that. No. How, wait, how am I a troublemaker? What do oh, I do? I, I bother you a lot, but that's it. You bother <laughs> me constantly. And it's not like, it's like a teasing con. It's like, a, it's not even bothering. It's like teasing. And so I can only imagine. What you were like at like five or like at ten. Oh, yeah. you know what? There's report cards. I found one. Mm-hmm. I found a report card like from when I was in like the second grade. And like, you know how the teachers used to write, oh, like um, needs improvement in this area. 
for my um they called it like citizenship or citizenship mm -hmm. in school my teacher was just like jasmine needs to learn how to play well with others she's very what is it called like uh like i talk uh, too much blah, blah blah like i okay. don't pay attention they they thought i they thought i had like adhd because i was like always like mm -hmm. <laughs> bothering everybody right. i mean i can see that i guess but that's not really troublemaking that's just kind of being annoying no it's well i I'd say that's just being more assertive than usual. And I think that in those situations, I think adults kind of tend to take it as, oh, they're not paying attention. They're not doing what we say. You know, they're being very, I don't want to say aggressive, but I feel like that's how adults perceive that sort of behavior is that it's a very aggressive behavior, um, <laughs> which is a shame. We need more aggressive people, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? How so? I don't, I don't know. I feel like we're, we've kind of gotten to a point where everyone's just, I, and I don't know why. I don't know if it has to do with technology, but we all seem more complicit when someone says something or mentions something rather than voicing our own oh. opinion and objecting to it. Like passive. Yeah. Like, and it, <laughs> and I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the cause. I don't know the solution, but it just, to me, that's what it feels like is that, that we've all kind of become a little bit more passive towards each other. And I feel like we don't want to hurt each other's feelings. And, and I think that's, that kind of, that's a bummer because then we, keep everything repressed and we don't have a, a dialogue about our beliefs or our opinions or whatever so yeah definitely yeah. speaking of of mm -hmm. being like oppressed do you think like you like oppressed your feelings building up to the move what was it like finding out that you were moving like so far away from where you oh were? boy i guess i have to kind of start a little bit before that is i like i was an only child for about three years and then my first sister was born and directly after that event we moved and i was already unhappy with my sister being born unfortunately which we have a great relationship oh, now why? but i i think it was like only child syndrome because like my parents told me that like leading up to my to the birth like before the before my mom got pregnant or anything, I was like this super like bubbly child that was like really interactive with other people. And then as soon as my mom got pregnant and kind of like towards the end of her term, I became like really like introverted and quiet and sad. Um, and I think I realized that this thing was going to take away all the attention from me. And my dad, my dad loves telling the story where when uh, my sister's name is Elisa, when Elisa was born, I, we were in the waiting room and I was playing with toys and they brought her in and they're like, oh, come meet your new sister. And I kind of like looked up and was like, huh. And then went back to playing with the toys. And I was completely <laughs> uninterested. I don't want um, it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, put it back or what. <laughs> but yeah, so, so I think that kind of compounded the move and we moved in the winter so it was going from spain which is i mean even in the winter it's it's fairly warm to alaska and i think that specific winter was the coldest winter that i've ever experienced there so it was it was going from two very different extremes and i think that was extremely hard and you know there's a lot of a lot of crying involved but yeah. And a lot of now that, yeah. Well, I mean, not only was it like, oh, we moved from what essentially was my home at the time to this horrible place, but it was also extremely cold and it would like suck the air out of your lungs and like your face was always burning. So it was just, it wasn't a great experience. I definitely think I would have been unhappy too. Like I'm from yeah. California. So I guess like if I were to move to Alaska, I'd be like, oh, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't want to be here. Right. <laughs> you know? You no, know, and it's like, it's all, and it's dark and extremely isolated. And I mean, 
after you know now i i love it and i think it's you know it's home but definitely at the time i was like this this place is horrible it's always night you know there's there's this really cold substance on the ground that freezes and had you never seen snow before that i think i had a little bit in madrid but but that was like the first time that i had ever really experienced that amount of snow that i can recall you know to the point where i had to wear snow boots and you know snow pants and a parka and gloves and a hat (laughs) typical alaska Um, yeah, you know, typical Alaska fashion. Fashion. <laughs> and, yeah, no, I like the photos it, it are hilarious because they're like so puffy and it's like this really small kid. And So would you say the snow is like the biggest culture shock for you or was um something else that you're like, oh, it's too different? I think the biggest culture shock was kind of the actual cultures as well as the language because, you know, my, my dad's American. My dad's from Alaska. So I knew a little bit of English, but it was kind of a few words or some small phrases that I had picked up from him. But there was a huge language barrier. I couldn't talk to anybody for like at least six months. Um, I couldn't or refused. I don't exactly know, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, like it was definitely a bit of both. A little bit both, probably, yeah. But it was definitely, that was isolating. And then the culture was, I mean, the culture between the United States and Spain are vastly different. But then, you know, Alaska is kind of an extreme because it's so isolated from the rest of the United States that it almost has its own culture. And it's a, we moved to a small fishing village. So it was very, very different than what I had been used to. Because in, in Spain, uh, you know, you, you could drive everywhere, you could fly everywhere, it was always sunny, you know, we, we you always walked, my mom and I always walked to every place we went, unless we went to the farm, then we had to drive because that was miles away. Did you just say the farm? Yes. Uh, yeah, we had a farm which was the initial reason why my dad and my mom moved to Spain and and they really didn't have a plan so my mom was like well you know my family's in Spain so why don't we move to Spain and my grandpa was like well why don't you guys get a farm and so they got a farm and so so yeah so for about I think three and a half to four years we 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 had a farm what what was your favorite animal well so we only had cows it was it was a beef farm, which that in itself was kind of a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. I had this very specific memory of being brought up to the farm when they were doing the butchering. And I remember that they had a cow carcass on a crane as they were skinning it, which I like to think kind of traumatized me a little bit. But <laughs> who who knows? I was, you know, it, it's something that's burnt in my memory. That's like, I can see it so well. But there's so many other things that, that happened. Apparently, I almost drowned when I was a kid which is how my mom tells the story but I like to think that I was exploring because apparently like she found me face down in the water and she thought that I was like drowning but I was like no I'm just looking at the sea like leave me alone mom um leave me alone it's like just let me be here uh yeah so we we had a farm and i i think kind of eating habits are very different as well you know we um in spain you have breakfast at like 10 in the morning uh lunch is at two or three in the afternoon and then dinner is at like 10 at night and then you go to bed at like midnight so so the eating habits were different just kind of daily habits were completely different you know in in uh, alaska you couldn't really you couldn't really walk do anything 
anything during the winter as a kid without like supervision. So you didn't like, you know, freeze or or fall into a river or something. And so it, it was very different culturally. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're talking about the farm and I'm sitting here like, dude, why do I feel like I had the same memory when I was younger? But it wasn't like, OK, so have you been to Mexico before? I haven't. No, huh? I have not. No. no. Ooh. No. <laughs> I do. I do want to go eventually. You know, w- when Oof, it's possible you know. and when I have time. My parents went mm-hmm. there and they're like, "Yeah, it's it's nice." Like, if you you know. Well, girl, like I told you, how I used to like go to Mexico like every year, like for months on mm-hmm. end when I was younger, for like three and four months at a time, and I have like almost the same memory. It's a little different, like a little different, like based mm-hmm. on culture i'm guessing because over there they would just kill the animals on the fucking street we're in mexico like everybody bought their shit like fresh every day so you'd kind of like go you'd go every day and you'd get like what you needed and then you'd cook for the day and i remember the first time i seen an animal slaughtered was at my uncle's house and he had like a little area blocked off full of like all these different animals but they were like all mixed together and i remember thinking it was weird because he had like goats and chickens and like rabbits but they all were in the same pen so i was like okay that's weird kind of thing and I remember, yeah. like, because I thought it was so, like, fucked up that he did this to me. I remember he told me, he's like, pick one. And I was like, okay, yeah. because of my stupid ass, you know, I didn't speak Spanish that well. So I didn't realize he said, which one do you want to eat? I thought he was just saying, you know, like, pick one. But he was asking right. me, like, which one, like, do you want to eat, like, for, for food? So he, like, pulls yeah. it out. And I'm, like, playing with it. And I'm like, oh, my God. He, like, pulled the fucking goat out. And he slices <laughs> its throat right in front of me. And I was yeah. like what (laughs) that was like the first time i ever seen like anything die but i think that's Mm. just the culture over there like i think there's a a distinctive difference in the cultures i i think we as americans have a little bit more um we we have i feel like we have this really weird ideal for or idea for animals is that you know cows like yeah they're food but at the same time they're like pets and all this and then there's other cultures that see them strictly as food although to be fair you know we don't really treat our cows that well in the states you know we have huge slaughterhouses and i think in in the cultures that kind of see them more as as food they typically tend to treat them better for some reason that's true my uncle did like worship those goats I think it's because they know, right. like, I don't know. Like, it was kind of like, I was like, always raised respect your food kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We never, like, right. wasted any, nothing at all because it was, like, disrespectful to the animal kind of, you know? Exactly. And so it's kind of like, you know, you're eating essentially what the animal's eating as well. And, you know, you don't want to pump it up full of chemicals or, or whatever. And Yeah, yeah. So I could definitely see where you're coming from with that. Would you say that it was hard to start over and, like, six months you're like okay this is a pretty Mm -hmm. easy like transition to make I mean, after six months, I think I was talking to people, but I do know that it was extremely hard for me to assimilate myself. Like, I think it wasn't until first grade that I really felt comfortable enough. Um, And that that was right around the time that I met my best friend, that at least for a solid year and a half, like it was it was kindergarten and then halfway through first grade, you know, I'd come home and I'd be extremely depressed and like, you know, no one understands me. I can't speak the freaking language. You know, no one wants to be my friend. That's funny. 
it's not funny but it's funny it, it's i mean it's it, yeah like it, it isn't it's kind of depressing to think about a kid like feeling that way but being able to look back on it i i just kind of have to chuckle and go like yeah that's that's how it was back then but yeah yeah i think a lot of kids look at like them not having friends as the end of the mm-hmm. world so i could see how that's yeah kind of, like a depressing mm-hmm. i think there are i mean because everything's so new to you as a kid that i think everything feels so traumatizing and like you do this big move. You come over here. Yeah. You fucking hate it here. You're like, oh, I hate America. Yeah. America fucking sucks. I want to go back. Mm-hmm. What? Um, when you were in Spain, did you know you wanted to be an actor? Or do you think moving to America made you want to be an actor? Um, That's actually a really funny question because I've got a great story to go along with it. I think to, to answer it, I think I always had the idea that I knew I wanted to do something creative. It kind of throughout my childhood and then into my adolescence and teenage and young adult life, it, it's kind of shifted between film and art and sketching and, and when have you but I think I was always destined to uh to be in film because when I was about two or three my favorite movie was the jungle book and you know I don't know how many times I watched that movie but like there's this one time where I was watching it and I was like you know I really want to be in like the world of the jungle book so I was playing with this like really hefty metal truck and I was like you know I bet if I broke the TV screen, I can crawl into the world of the Jungle Book. So I uh, I hurled the um, the toy at the screen trying to break it. My you know it luckily it bounced off and didn't break the screen or whatever. But definitely got in trouble for that. And I think I think that was like the seed that was planted in my brain of like oh yeah, film is what I'm gonna do. Yeah, so that's my my origin story, I guess, as a filmmaker and actor. Mowgli is your origin story. Yeah. I started in theater, and I... I think you started in theater too, didn't you? No, I was always, I, um, when I came to the States, my parents signed me up for dance. So I was in dance. I was terrified of like theater, theater, of like acting on stage. But for whatever reason, dancing was fine because it was like three minutes. You're kind of in a group with other people. If you make a mistake, you can kind of play it off. So yeah, so I started in dance, but I was always terrified of, of theater. That's crazy. Why were you scared of theater? I think it was just the, the idea of like screwing up on stage and not remembering lines or or not being able to like I don't know there's so many things Mm -hmm. in Spain do you think growing up that kind of like because obviously in America there's Mm -hmm. a lot of like gender roles and a lot of ways people think that you should be growing up do you think um your Spanish roots kind of affected that too like having a sense of um the way we I don't know how you guys say it in, in Spain but we say like having a sense of like machismo like that for um, why you were scared I think so I think I mean in Spain like traditional gender roles are a huge thing I think it's changing now but you know Spain is a at least the family that I grew up with it was a very traditional family my grandfather was an extremely traditional person loved him but uh, recently found out that that side of the family was all for the dictatorship so that was awesome so so i think that was a lot of it too was you know you know spain is you know you do have that machismo and 
there are those gender roles. You know, my my um, mom talks a lot about how when she was growing up, you know, the men would sit down after dinner and the women, you know, her and her sisters would have to clean up. And, you know, her brothers never had to clean up. They always kind of kind of got preference for things. I mean, just talking to her recently, she was like, oh, yeah, you were your grandfather's favorite because not only were you his first grandchild, but you were also a boy. So that was a plus. Yeah, I could definitely see that. It's the same thing for me. Uh, maybe yours was a little more strict. Well, I don't know. Because I, I, I'm a girl, so I'm allowed to love art kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Right, but that in itself is almost, I feel like, a gender trap, too. Is you know, Because girls are supposed to be one way and guys are supposed to be the other way. And, and I think it's kind of ridiculous that, that there can't be any co-mingling in those ideals. Definitely. And I think I think in Alaska is a little bit different too because I think females were I mean, again, it was a fishing town, so a lot of the females that I grew up with would always fish with their family. So they're a little bit more, I guess, masculine in that sense. But there was still very much girls wear pink, guys wear blue. Ugh, so yeah. I fucking hate which, pink. Which, what? I love pink. Like I'm wearing pink shorts right now. I just bought a pink shirt too because I'm like I love that. But like, I, I I for the longest time I hated wearing any color. I it was like blue jeans and a black shirt, and that was it. Um, mm-hmm. It was like black, white, or gray. Like I, and my mom would was constantly trying to get me to like wear some sort of like color, like green or whatever. And I was like, that's a disgusting color. I don't want to wear it. Um, I'm gonna green? stick with my black shirt. Yeah, and now I love, like, now I'm like, yeah, I'll get a yellow shirt or a green shirt. Oh my gosh, I recently became, like, obsessed with yellow. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what, I think, for me, it just reminds me of Halloween and, like, autumn, and that's my favorite season, so I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll take all the yellow I can get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I really do think that's interesting. It is, it's, (laughs) Slowly changing. Times are changing. Slowly. And I wish they would change a little bit faster, but. What do you mean? I feel like 2020, like, accelerated, like, everything. Like, well, yeah, but that's like. Do you know how much has changed in the past six months? Oh, ev- no, everything changed. With the pandemic and the civil rights and everything. I think I think 2020, you know, as as horrible as it's been, is going to have an amazing outcome on further events. I think there's a lot of positive changes, yeah. hopefully. Fingers crossed, you know, things could completely change and we could revert back to our old selves, but I hope not. We'll have to see. That's one year out of all of human existence, you know. Every time, like, a major change happens in society, it happens, like, Mm -hmm. almost instantly. It's, like, changed. I so. think, yeah, like there there does always seem to be some explosive event that causes that change, which I think we forget. You know, I think a lot of us think that, oh, you know, like I think things do change progressively and slowly over time. But I think we, we tend to forget that the real big changes in, in our kind of our society and, and in history have occurred uh, almost instantly mm-hmm. with major shifts. Yeah. So, I mean, as someone who um, who went through, you know, that big move and can look back on it and see like the positives and the negatives and kind of like Mm -hmm. what you should have and what you shouldn't have done during that time. Do you have like any advice for those people? Oof. 
I think the most important thing is to make friends with people who who really accept you. I think that was one that was one of the major uh, changing points uh, when I first moved here was when I started making friends and with the friends that I made, who I'm still very close friends with now. Um, I think that's the major thing is just try and find a group of people that really make you feel like you belong. And there you have it, guys. When you make a big move, make sure you learn a second language or you're going to have to take six months to make new friends. If you guys want to tell me what you guys thought, go ahead and go to Lemons the Podcast on Instagram and comment under this episode's post and have a good discussion. Maybe you guys had something that you could relate to. Maybe you guys didn't. Either way, I want to know what you guys have to say. So I'll see you over there. And I'll see you next time. Bye.